Welcome back to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. We couldn't do these without the incredible support of our sponsors, and we want to take a moment to say thank you to all of them. First, thanks to our diamond sponsor, Varsity Brands, including BSN, Varsity Spirit, and Herve Jones. Varsity Brands, elevating student experiences in sport, spirit, and achievement. We also want to say thank you to our great platinum sponsors, including Camp Mobile, where leaders communicate better. Hometown ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. Vital signs, bring student achievements to life. Gipper, sports graphics made incredibly simple. And Ephesus Lighting, innovating a brighter future at every level. Thanks to all of our great sponsors. Welcome back everyone to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. Our guest today is Tim Gretzler. Tim's a physical education and history teacher at Murdoch Middle School in Port Charlotte, Florida. He's also responsible for the uh, athletic administration at his school. Tim, welcome to the podcast. Jake, I really appreciate you having me. Thank you very much. Oh, well, we're excited to hear what's going on in your school. And also, uh, we like to have middle school folks on to, you know, kind of talk about the unique uh, approach that uh, you need to take with those sports. So let's go and jump right into it. Uh, we always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, where you went to college, and, and how you're Love of athletics led you to <laughs> middle school. Yeah, um, so I was a, 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 sports was a late bloomer for me. Um, so I'm originally from Michigan. Uh, I was born right outside Detroit in a little town called Mount Clemens. Uh, but we moved to Florida um, right about when I started elementary school and uh, been down here for pretty much most of my life. Um, I was a graduate of Port Charlotte High, which is the uh, high school. It's right down the street from the school that I'm at now here in Murdoch. Uh, which is nice. And uh, I mean, I've been in this town for, for most of my life, uh, you know, from there. Uh, I went to a community college first, just kind of because at first when I got out of high school, I really just wanted to work, wasn't sure what I was going to do. So I uh, went to Edison Community, um, got my associates there, and then I transferred up to a small little private Christian school called Luther Rice. Um, it was right outside Lithonia, Georgia. So um, living in a small town, I kind of wanted to try the, the, the big city. Uh, so I went to school outside there, did that for about three years and realized Atlanta traffic was just not for me. Uh, so once I got uh, through with school, graduated uh, from Luther Rice in about 2004, decided to come back down to Florida, uh, you know, miss the weather, miss the sunshine and uh, been back ever since. We'll talk a little bit about uh those early years coming back to Florida, like you said, you're from uh, Port Charlotte and, and now you're working just down the road from your high school. You know, how did that all happen? I had no thoughts of, of getting an education, but when I got through with school, um, I grew up playing sports. I should say I got into sports probably around sixth grade, um, middle school, um, which is, you know, funny because you know I've been in middle school sports forever now what it feels like um so um I was 
extremely short, even though I'm short now, but I was even shorter back then. And uh, I tried Pop Warner football, but I was really heavy set. So um, they, they stuck me at like defensive tackle. You know, I was four foot nothing, but I was like 110 pounds. Um, so Pop Warner football was a, didn't last very long then. And then when I hit seventh grade, I, I hit a growth spurt, um, you know, seven, eight inches and, you know, just started kind of getting another thing. So I started playing basketball, you know, recreation, things like that. Um, then I got involved with some travel basketball, got invited to some of those things. So I always loved basketball. Um, when I got in high school, went back into football, did both, um, even tried golf for a little bit. I was not good. Um, I wasn't great at anything, but I could play almost everything. So I could pick up a golf club and go out and play. Um, you know, I, I felt like I was just really like the sixth man in anything that I ever did. Uh, but any sport, I just, anything I could do to, to, to run around and, and, and get out there. Um, so I just, I really fell in love with, you know, pretty much everything, but I would say basketball and football were really my, my top two. So once I got out of high school, um, you know, I thought about trying, you know, maybe, you know, doing a little bit here and there, but really it was just more inter intermarials and recreational kind of things. Uh, like I said, I, I stopped growing when I was 12. So after I hit my, my five, seven, uh, growth spurt, which at 12 years old, I thought, well, I might be fairly tall. Um, but then when I looked at my mom and dad, there was just nothing in the book there. So, um, you know, really got into, as soon as I graduated, I started coaching Pop Warner. I started coaching recreation. Um, I started doing Little League Baseball coaching now. And uh, my pastor at the time was a really big into coaching and things like that. So I just started working with teenagers and, and coaching, uh, you know, while I was in school. Um, so really when I moved back and I decided to, to get into teaching, which my mom said I was crazy. Um, you know, she looked at me funny. She said, you want to do what? Um, it just was a perfect niche. I, as soon as I got in, I went back to my old high school, uh, started coaching high school football, um, and then uh, middle school sports. And I know you brought that up at the beginning. Uh, we didn't have middle school sports right away here. And I know some districts are different. We're a little bit smaller here in Charlotte County. So when I got into teaching, we didn't have middle school sports. Uh, then we, we brought them in. So I immediately started coaching basketball, um, started working with one of my friends at the high school who coached basketball, and uh, really the first couple of sports. Um, and then when the recession hit, we, we, we cut them out again. So we lost middle school sports for about three or four years. And then we finally brought them back around 2012, 2013. And, and really, once we brought it back, my, my principal at the time was like, hey, can you help us out with some of these? And so I really just started coaching every every sport that we had and 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 the athletic director really just was kind of handed to me. Um, you know, there wasn't any bonuses other than we need you to help. Will you do it? So I'm like, okay. So I I, I just kind of started doing everything and, and anything that was sports related and uh, you know, been doing it ever since. So, you know, it's been, it's been pretty awesome, pretty good experience. Well, before we came on, you know, we talked about the uh, concept of wearing a lot of hats, which, you know, many administrators do. And, you know, I've actually seen you in action there at Murdoch. So, uh, you know, yeah. well, well run program. Hopefully that'll uh, continue to develop for you. I appreciate it. And, and you know, like I said, it's it's been a learning experience. Um, you should have seen me last year when I was the head coach and running the things. It was in, in between timeouts and you know, I get a radio call and I'm like, uh, I can't answer this right now. It was, it was definitely, I've, got, I've had some good moments for sure. Mm -hmm. A baptism under fire. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. 
Tim, in our profession, you know, teaching, coaching, and athletic directing, uh, we always talk about the importance of leadership and particularly mentoring. So I'm always curious, who are some of your mentors growing up, uh, maybe teachers or coaches that you had, or maybe people that you've worked with or worked for? Uh, Whose voice do you still hear in your head? I've I've come into a lot of, um, you know, people that I've met, obviously, over the years, some of my coaches. uh, It's funny, uh, Coach Nolan, who is still the athletic director over at Charlotte High School, he was my first football coach, you know, my freshman year, he was coached the basketball team. And, um, you know, he was just, I'm I'm still terrified of him. I always tell my, my, you know, my kids these days, you know, the, the, the dynamics have changed between players and coaches, especially with the younger generation. But when I was in school, we were absolutely terrified of our teachers. So, um, you know, coach Nolan, who, I mean, Charlotte high school is a phenomenal, um, athletic program, uh, you know, has been for, for, for many, many years. Um, so he's been a, a great person that I've always really looked up to. Um, some of my teachers, I remember Coach Rankin. Uh, he was actually my seventh grade math teacher, and then he coached some swimming and things like that in high school. Just a, uh, an awesome person. A lot of those guys, I, I remember just of who they were, um, not always what they did and, and, and you know, the, the things that they ran and what they were in charge of, but just their character, their personality. And like I said, some of those things really just kind of uh, probably subconsciously played an impact. Uh, you know, if I really thought back, I could go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. But you don't really think about it at the time. Um, but those guys just played a huge role. And then when I got out of school, when I first really started getting into teaching, um, you know, some of the athletic directors in Port Charlotte High, which is our neighboring uh, school, um, James Vernon, who was the athletic director for a while there, he's now an administrator, um, and then Coach Briglio, who still runs things, he's their current athletic director. Those guys I've talked to, I've, I've a lot of contact, because, you know, at the high school level, they just deal with so many more things, so any little thing that I have here at the middle school, you know, and I'm always picking their brain and, and asking them things, and, and those were guys that I can think of, you know, when I was younger, and then even mo- most recently, who probably played a, a pretty big impact what I do uh, today. You know, I didn't even think about that. You know, we had Brian Nolan on as a guest. His episode uh, aired, uh, I think, about a week ago. Okay. And uh, awesome. Coach Bruglio, uh, yep. his episode is coming up, I think, in a couple of weeks. So it's great to get a, a next generation uh, athletic director. Yeah, um, I, I frequently text those guys. Coach Nolan, I get a lot of texts and, and emails from me, uh, basically, because I Really, what I've tried to do here is is model a lot of the things either there or, you know, if I come up with a new idea, try to get some backdrop of, hey, has this been tried somewhere else and, you know, pros and cons and things like that. But, yeah, those, those two guys are are, are very big and, and, and great at what they do and those are very successful high school programs. So, you know, the middle school, obviously, we're on a much smaller scale, but I like to model, um, you know, after the best. Let's go and talk a little bit about the middle school experience. Um, one of the things that we try to do with the podcast is share some best practices. So, you know, you've been at Murdoch for a while, you know, you're a head coach of their program. You've kind of seen, you know, the impact that sports has for a middle school student, as well as, you know, what happens when those sports are taken away. So from your perspective, you know, what are some best practices that you can share with our listeners about how you should run a quality middle school athletic program? Um, I think the, the first thing I have always tried to do from day one is be consistent. 
Um, and I know that word is probably used in, you know, every facet. Um, but I, I think the reason why is because it's, it's absolutely true. You know, I've had so many um, instances where uh, good, good events and even some, you know, bad events, for instance, were, uh, you know, with athletics, uh, academics is a big part. Um, and we always preach to our kids, you know, you are a student first, you're an athlete second. So um, athletics and that, or as far as academics, and then when I was the dean, uh, behavior and, and things like that were, you know, if you put on a uniform for the school, you know, you're representing the school, whether it's on the court or outside the court or, or somewhere else. So I have always tried to be consistent in what the expectations were, um, clear, uh, being clear, because uh, you know as well as I do that you know you can tell uh, a teenage uh, young man or young lady one thing and they might hear something completely different. It, it, you know sometimes as the adults uh, we're like Charlie Brown and it's just you know wah wah. Uh, and sometimes you you scratch your head and you go maybe I I thought I told them what we expected. So um, you know just trying to be consistent and clear with uh, what the expectations were and even sometimes when having to do um, the things you don't want to do, having to have the conversations you don't want to have. Um, but, you know, if you're clear and consistent with what it is that you expect when you come to those difficult situations, whether it's having to pull aside a kid who would have been a, a star player on your basketball team and said, hey, you know, I'm sorry, but your grades weren't what we clarified and what we said were at the beginning, um, you can't be a part of the team this year. Uh, or if it was a discipline issue and, and we had to say you didn't meet the expectations that we had, um, you know, you're going to have to turn in your stuff and, and we hope you come back next year. Uh, but this was a violation, things like that. Um, those students, I have never had a, a meeting where they didn't leave and you weren't on the same page. Um, whether or not they agreed with it or not, you know, and obviously I've, I've had kids, you know, leave my office upset, crying in tears because of those consequences, but because you were, you know, consistent with them, they knew and that transcends. So then when new kids come in, they know that, hey, you know, Coach Gretzler or, or, or is, is, this is what he expects, this is what's gonna happen. And I think that's just a, a huge thing because you will, and I will, and I've found, I got a bell going off here for a second. Um, there's always a new thing that's going to come up. There's always going to be a situation that, you know, you weren't sure about or might be kind of one of those gray areas. You know, there's a lot of gray um, the, the farther we go on through this. So, um, you know, just having those expectations with them and then, um, you know, being fair, uh, trying to explain it as best we can with the student, with the parent, uh, if need be, I found has been, um, has helped. And like I said, those situations aren't always easy. Um, but those are things that definitely I have always tried to live by. Um, and then, of course, you know, if I'm never uh, sure, I go find somebody who I trust their judgment, who might be able to shed some light uh, on one of those situations. Yeah, that, that's such a great point. The consistency, whether it's, you know, with coaches, uh, with athletic directors, with deans, all the way up the ladder. You know, if, if, uh, if you're an AD and you have a coach that is not, uh, delivering the same message that you are, yep. you know, that's where those problems occur. And, and, you know, talking from a Dean's perspective, you know, I was a Dean of students uh, for a couple of years and really enjoyed it. But, uh, you know, we really strive to have that consistency in mm -hmm. communication. 
Uh, talk a little bit about uh, the parent aspect, you know, dealing with parents as an AD or as a dean. Uh, it's a little bit different at the middle school level than it is at the high school level. Uh, share your perspective on uh, working with parents. It is, I would say, you know, uh, the, the more that I'm involved, the more things that I do, it's, it's definitely, um, it can be challenging. Uh, you know, like I said, when, when you talk to students, sometimes what they hear is not what you said and, and you, know, you feel like you speak a different language and even with parents sometimes, uh, you know, and, and I get it where most parents that you deal with, we're, we're dealing with their children. You know, we're dealing with sometimes if it's mama bear or papa bear, that's their baby, whether or not they're 13, 14, you know, they're six foot two, 220 pounds, that's still their baby and their child. So, um, you know, they're going to defend them. They're going to be uh, on their side. And I, and I totally get it. Uh, it. So it makes it difficult sometimes where, you know, if you have to come in and, and you're viewed as, you know, either the bad guy or the bearer of bad news. So I've always tried to be on the same page as best I could um, with my parents um, as far as, you know, mapping out things. Uh, you know, mostly with, uh, you know, academics and, and behavior, uh, we send home um, first day of practice, whether it's basketball, wrestling, um, you know, uh, volleyball, um, I sit down with my players and, and I have um, letters that, you know, Dr. Discharns, who is, is kind of over all of our uh, students and, and supports at the high school and, and, you know, one of our assistant superintendents. Um, so, he gives us the information and I have that all printed out and, and, and I go over it with them line by line with the kids. I send it home and I make the parents sign it. Um, that way they at least have seen what I've said and they've agreed to it. Um, and those kids, if they don't get those papers back to me within the first two days of that season, uh, if that first game shows up and those, those, those things aren't turned back to me, um, they're not on the court. They're not playing. Um, so they get them all back quick. You know, it's 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 a lot different than when you're sending home a report card sometimes and you, they, they, they lose them. So, um, you know, but dealing with the parents, I, I just find it that, um, you know, the, the more I do it, there, you, you just meet so many different people from so many different backgrounds and cultures. And, uh, you know, diversity is, is just a, a huge thing, even at the middle school level. So it's challenging. It is very challenging. But at the same time, when you get to experience the the joys and the highs whether your team's winning or a big moment you know in a game or even after season and you can talk to the parents and you know we have parents that you know sometimes they'll make contributions to the school they'll help out with the athletic program um whether or not their child is the star player or sometimes their child doesn't get to see the court much but they learn things and they're a part of a team and, and they experience that and and you know the best part is after a season when you can talk to a parent about how much you've seen their kid grow or how much you know their child has meant to you or what they've done and then that parent reciprocates that back I think that's not always um, but that's you know a, a really a, a great part of being involved in what we do um, you know as far as that but you just got to have an open mind when, when you're dealing with parents you have to have an open mind and there's like I said there's a lot of gray in everything you've got to just try to find common ground you know? mm -hmm. No, I, I think that's a, a huge, huge point, you know, trying to find that common ground where you as an administrator or a coach, you know, your, your message is getting across and the parent, at least they feel like they're being heard. Okay? Right, exactly. Yeah, everybody wants to be heard, you know, whether it's the parent or the, or the child. Um, so, you know, we try to do that, try to do it in the most constructive way, um, you know, because sometimes they don't agree with you or, 
you know, whether it's playing time or even sometimes making a team, you know, you have to kind of go over with them and, you know, explain how the team's made up, what they're consistent of, you know, sometimes it's like with basketball, you know, I, I tell parents, um, you know, if, depending on what position your child plays, you know, there's, there's a few spots for these positions. There's only a few spots for these positions. Um, and, you know, sometimes it might not be as good, but sometimes as a coach, you can see potential in a player. So yeah, they might not be at this point on day one, but you know, by day 30, they might be somewhere else. And sometimes you have to explain that with them. And then usually I think if you're fair with them and, and you're, you're open and honest, um, they usually respect that and, you know, understand it better. Not might not always agree with it, but at least you can understand. It. And that's what I always try to say when I, when I get off the phone with a parent, whether it was when I was a Dean given a referral, if I had to give a consequence, you know, a discipline, whether it was in school, out of school, um, I always said, does this make sense? And I always ask them that question anytime I was on the phone or had a conversation. And, and I feel like if you've explained it enough, they're usually like, it does. Even if they don't agree with it, they, ex they understand it. And then you can, you know, find that common ground and move on from there. Yeah, very good. Good stuff. Uh, to our listeners, we're recording this episode on March 30th. So we're a little bit uh, one year past uh, the COVID anniversary. Uh, Tim, we've been asking our guests to um, kind of give us an update. Um, you know, how have you responded this year with your school? You know, obviously it's been different across the country and even in Florida, we've had some differences, but um, how did Murdoch Middle School respond to COVID this year? Uh, not just for return to play with sports, but also return to school. Can you share what's going on? Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, you know, every state's been different. I mean, I know some uh, and even counties, I mean, even in Florida, I know some counties were, were still doing the virtual, you know, we, we got a, a late start. Uh, we pushed things back. I think we rolled out really August 30th was the first day of school. Um, kids fully came back. Um, obviously, we had a ton of guidelines, a lot of meetings about what was expected and things like that. Um, as far as, you know, masks and, you know, just trying to trying to be safe as best we could protect the students protect faculty, adults, and, and whatnot. So, um, you know, when we when we got with sports, you know, we, we had to bump kind of everything back. So our seasons were really all kind of, uh, you know, different, um, not as far as at the high school level, they, they kind of stuck their regular schedule, but we had to move a lot of things around, um, which was fine. You know, it was a little more cramped this time of year as far as not having breaks in between. But, you know, it was great because at least we got to at least host all of the sports that we that we wanted to, but, you know, as far as the guidelines, I mean, you know, what the CDC would recommend, then our district would come out with what they expected, um, what we did, um, whether it was, you know, mask protection, cleaning procedures, um, you know, temperature checks, you know, at the beginning of every practice, every game, any event, anything that we did that involved, um, you know, student athletes, you know, we're checking, checking temperatures, symptoms, uh, same at the school. So, um, you know, the, I would say the first, month or so was interesting um you know it was different uh it was definitely a different feel uh you know this is my 18th year uh, being involved in, in education so it was definitely the most unique um it's still i mean even right now i mean we're still in the same uh guideline process so nothing has really changed uh so it's it's taken me a while i still can't recognize certain students, you know, especially the, the little small sixth graders because their mask covers 
you know, three fourths of their face. So, you know, trying to learn names and, and things like that and uh, whatnot. So it's been challenging. It's been different. Um, you know, it's, it's been unique, but I think our school our our County, I mean, I just, I really, um, I love our leadership. I love the people that, 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 that call the shots, the people that, you know, um, definitely are, are on the higher uh, grade um, because they're, they, they've been, you know, just kind of down to earth. They've been um, clear, you know, they, as far as what we expected, our leadership here, um, our principal, um, Lyman Welton, who's just, you know, just a great guy I've known for a long time, uh, Mr. Jenkins, who, you know, him and I work extremely close together with athletics and everything else. They're just great people. Um, and anytime you weren't sure what was expected, or maybe, you know, is this COVID or a protocol, or, you know, they were a phone call away or a conversation, they'd come to your room and, and you could ask them anything. They were always very, you know, as far as uh, forthcoming with what they expected. Um, and, and so that makes a big difference. When you, when you work with people, you work under people who, um, you know, treat you as, as an equal and, and they're, and that's what I try to model everything that I do and, and what I've done on this as far as what I've seen. So yeah, the, the, this COVID year has, has definitely been one for the books and, you know, it's been challenging, but, you know, overall, I think it's gone fairly smoothly. So I'm, 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 I'm glad we're, we're able to do what we've done. Well, again, I've been able to see, you know, firsthand, you guys have been doing a great job, continued success uh, as you wrap up spring sports. Tim, I'm, I'm curious about this next topic. Uh, since we've started these interviews, I've been asking athletic directors uh, around the country um, about this idea of social awareness and social justice. And, and my question has been this, you know, what are some things that we can do as athletic administrators, as leaders, what are some things that we can do better uh, for our kids, for our coaches, for our community? Um, what are your thoughts on that? You know, it, it's probably the most difficult thing to do. Now, I'm, I'm a little bit younger as far as, you know, some of the people that I've worked with and, and, and coached with and whatnot. But when I started in education, you know, I was in my early 20s. So I was really young back then. Now I don't feel so young. Um, but even today, I mean, just the the amount of information that comes out, it's, it's so much uh, faster than what it did, you know, 10, 15 years ago when I, when I first got involved with, with coaching in sports, uh, you know, what can we do better? I think having an open line of communication, I think is the biggest, uh, you know, as we get older, uh, we get more set in our ways and, and, and things that we believe to be true. Um, resonate a little bit more to us we become a little bit more prouder with our opinions and, and things like that and I'm a fairly opinionated person at least most of my loved ones will tell me that uh in, in certain realms so I don't I don't always agree with you know people and and you know or or this and that um but I I always try to be open and I try to keep the line of communication open I think with kids these days they are just bombarded with information and and even when I teach you know I teach history and we'll we'll touch on old topics but I still feel like there can be some some relevance today so I always just try to open the perspective up to the kids and as far as you know this side this side and and and, and 
not to give my side, even though it's very difficult to do, um, but to just let people know that, you know, there are lots of sides to lots of topics to, you know, um, whether it's equality and social justice and things like that. And, you know, letting, you know, students know that it's, it's great to have an opinion. It's great to have a belief. Um, but I tell my kids, you know, in three or four years, five years, you know, they're going to be the next voting generation. So they've got to be informed. You know, you, you've got to be able to um, promote information and promote opinions. I think it's great for, I love when a student has an opinion, a strong opinion at 13, 14 years of age uh, about certain issues. Now, whether or not I think they're right or wrong, I think it's great that they have it. So I think just having an open line of communication, um, presenting, you know, all of the arguments, not saying, well, this side is right, this side is wrong, or this is what I believe, or this is who, you know, I think is right. You know, it's, it's not always a matter about right or wrong, because at the end of the day, you know, as well as I do, that, um, sure, being right is, is fun. Yeah, it might be, it might be great for a, a small window of time, or winning is fun, but there's still a lot of things you can learn, and lessons you can learn in losing, or lessons you can learn in just being exposed to to other sides and other topics. So I think just the idea of, of being more open with our kids um, about things that are going on and being aware, because I, I used to feel like I knew a lot about what was going on. And I've learned over the last few years that just, man, it changes quick. So, you know, just trying to be informed, trying to be open, um, you know, maybe not getting into right or wrong, but just hearing people out, I think is because like, you know, like with parents, they want to be heard. Kids want to be heard. Um, you know, I think we all want to be heard. And, you know, so I, I think that's great. Uh, but I think, you know, just trying to do it in the right way. Um, and I don't know if there's always a right or wrong way, but, you know, it, you learn. So sometimes you learn from the good. Sometimes you learn from the bad. Um, but I think that's probably something with the, the things that are going on today. And it's just so prevalent, especially in the sports arena, because, you know, professional athletes are more vocal today than they've ever been. So our kids are, they're, they're growing up seeing these people, they're their role models. So sometimes they might take one athlete's point of view as, as, as truth or gospel. And sometimes you might say, Hey, there's another athlete who's got another view. Why is this right? Why is this wrong? Or what do you think about it? So I think the more you get them to think, the more you get them to think for themselves to, to find information, I think is important. Um, and I think, I could do a better job of sometimes putting my opinion to the side, letting them talk. And then, you know, if I feel like the context is right, I could maybe, you know, give them some of my thoughts and ideas. But, you know, for the most part, I think just letting them talk and letting them, you know, hear, hear them out, I think is, is, is very important with our kids. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You got to listen. And, and as you said, you know, they got to feel like they're, they're being heard. Mm -hmm. Well, Tim, this has been great connecting. Uh, I haven't seen you for a while, but uh, yeah, yeah, I appreciate you being on the show. But we're not quite done. Uh, we always like to wrap up with what we call the athletic director's toolbox. <laughs> and you've been doing this for a while. And so I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to ask you to send out a brand new athletic director on their very first job. But I'm only going to let you put three things in their toolbox. What three items are going to go in Tim Gretzler's athletic director toolbox? So I thought of this one, um, and I and I didn't know if I should give a practice or if I should just give a, a, a thought process because I've kind of 
put pieces together and you know I've been in interviews for you know uh, a while back I interviewed for an athletic director job at high school so I got a lot of cool questions and I remember one time they gave me this question they they gave me 15 items and they said you got to put these in order priority and I was kind of like oh okay this is kind of neat so I still remember that but kind of three um words or or you know you could kind of put them in a phrase that for somebody who's brand new, these are just things that I kind of, I don't know if I live by, but these are things that I feel like they've, they've helped me succeed. So, you know, they're common words, they're nothing new, you know, I think that are fancy or special. Um, but the first thing for any... Okay, so I thought of three um, just kind of words that everything that I've done, um, you know, I, I've tried to uh, use these or they always seem to kind of resonate and come through. So, you know, the first tool I would use would be brainstorm. Um, you know, there's just so many things you can do as an athletic director. Uh, and But you've got to understand that you've got to think a lot of things through. You've got to, you know, come up with ideas. And, and sometimes ideas might be good right at the time. Sometimes they might not be good for two years down the road. Maybe it's a bigger project. Maybe it's something that you... Uh, uh, you know, or want to try, like we just really got into um, starting, you know, getting involved with business sponsorship because, you know, we learned that with athletics, there's expenses and there's things. And if you want to try to do good things, it, it costs money. So, uh, you know, I made, I sent an email, I made a phone call over to coach Nolan. I said, Hey, how do I, how do I do this? What, what do you do? Because I know Charlotte high is phenomenal with that. So brainstorming, you know, and whether that's by yourself or with other people, to get ideas, I think is is just something that's you know essential for for not even first day, first year uh, athletic directors, but I mean I would probably say most successful athletic directors um, do it on a regular basis. Uh, the second thing kind of plays into that is networking. Um, athletic directing is not a isolated job. You are working with coaches, you are working with parents, you are working with businesses you are working with other people um the more successful you are at networking i think the more successful your program is going to be i mean i model uh at least i have tried to model my program to what the high schools do um and obviously they're on a bigger scale and they have a lot more sports and things like that and they do a lot more things but networking i've got on my phone probably 20 different names and they all start with coach you know coach this coach that and if i've got a question or i've got an idea or i've got anything i pretty much have someone whether it's a coach or you know a lot of the athletic directors like coach briglow and, and coach nolan they're still coaches to me even though they're the athletic director so i know somebody that i can call i know somebody who who's uh, you know mind i can pick whose opinion i can get uh, and if, if it's, even if it's a brand new off the wall, I can say, Hey, you know, what do you think of that? So networking, um, but even like with your parents and your administrators and your teachers, you know, you've been to a few of our, our basketball games. Um, I've got to have people doing multiple things because even as much as I try to do everything, I can't. Um, so, you know, when I was coaching and, and running a basketball game, when of course this year, because of COVID, we couldn't have students. Um, but usually, I mean, our gym is packed capacity. So if I've got three, 400 people, um, I've got to have people doing this, people doing that. So when my seasons are coming up, 
I know who I can network with. I know who I can talk to and, you know, uh, try to persuade, aka bribe, to help me out that year. Uh, so I think networking is important. And, and most importantly, um, the last word I would use or, or tool would be determination or, or to be determined. Um, anything that I do, and I have a sports background, obviously, um, I want to be better than anybody else. Um, not in a pride way, uh, but anything that I do, I just want to be the best at it. So if I'm hosting a, a middle school basketball game, I want whoever comes in from the outside who's been to other middle school basketball games, I want them to say, wow, like, this is pretty cool. Like, this is different than what I've seen. Um, so I model, you know, I go to the high school events. I, I see what they try to do. Um, but I think the bringing an attitude of determination, just wanting to be the best or wanting to be really good at your job, it resonates with everything in your programs and with the kids. Because, you know, what do we teach kids when they play? I mean, sure, winning is great and, and you want to win, but you want them to be determined. You want them to persevere. You want them to 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 get through the the struggles and the ups and the downs and because you know ultimately that no whether where you go in life after high school even if you're a star after college you know you're gonna have to do something else so I think you need to be determined you need to have an idea of of wanting to to win or wanting to be the best um and don't go into it you know trying to just do a job do the best job that you can do and try to be, do the best job that's better than anybody else. You know, at least that's, that's what I, I, I like to do. Um, now that puts a lot of stress and pressure on you. Uh, but I think having that, if you can balance it the right way, uh, the best way um, is just going to make your program better. Uh, your kids are going to be better for it. And you're just going to have a lot of great experiences that you can look back on and however long you do it for, when you're done and, you, and you, you call it a career, you can say, I did the best that I can do. Um, and, you know, that's it. Well, uh, again, I, I've been at your events uh, and I can attest uh, you do a great job. And uh, we've been doing that. We've done about 130 of these interviews now with athletic directors from across the country. And uh, I always let an AD know uh, you came up with a new uh, tip. Uh, you know, no one's ever said brainstorm. So we're adding that really? to the list huh. All right. <laughs> of uh, best practices. And I think it's a great one. Okay, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I remember my first, uh, if we got time, my first, after I had my interview, when I first started doing the athletic events, I, I basically, I took a piece of paper and I just kind of wrote down literally every, Anything that I could think of that either needed to be done during that event, I would write down who was going to do it and, and just kind of, and then I, I realized, oh, I forgot this. Or then when I, I, I talked to somebody else, they gave me an idea. And, and then, so you kind of, uh, you know, learn those things. And, and really, I mean, everything that you do, sure, there's always going to be the same, you know, few things, the biggest things, but why not make something different? You know, so I added a few things when we hosted the, the championship game. Uh, a couple of weeks after the the season ended just to, you know, it was more theatrical, but I was like, Hey, we're hosting a title game. Let's make it as cool as we can. So that kind of deal. But yeah, I, uh, those are things that I've always tried to do. And like I said, I mean, sometimes it makes it a little bit more stressful. Uh, it makes the event a little bit more stressful, but when it's done, you, you know, you just have a relief and usually it, uh, you know, it just bodes well and it just makes the experience better for everybody. Well, Tim, again, thanks so much for being on the podcast. If one of our listeners wanted to uh, reach out and pick your brain, what's the easiest way for them to get a hold of you? 
Uh, probably my email, uh, which is Tim, you know, T-I-M dot Gretzler, G-R-E-T-Z-L-E-R, and it's at your, or it's at yourcharlotteschools.net. So that's our, our county address, but you can find any of those just through the Charlotte County uh, Public Schools website uh, here in Florida. That'd probably be the easiest way to get in touch with me. Uh, just you know, email Tim Gretzler, Murdoch Middle School, you know, Charlotte County Schools in Florida. Thanks so much for being on. Okay. Thank you so much, Jake. I appreciate it. For our listeners, uh, remember the Zoom recordings of these interviews are also being uploaded to the FIAAA Educational AD Podcast YouTube channel. So take a look at those. And until next time, thanks for listening. Come back again for another episode of the Educational AD.